Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Blackhawks on Tap postgame show, a Four Feathers podcast production brought to you by the On Tap Sports Network. I am Johnny Nani, joined tonight by Ron Luce after a 4 3 Hawks winner over the Oilers on this fine Thursday night. Ron, how are you doing, my friend? I am good, sir. I am. Uh... I'm in a little bit of disbelief right now with the, the way the Hawks are playing hockey, but you know, little little scary in the third, but dubs a dub, so uh, feeling pretty good about this one. How about you, yeah. sir? Yeah, no, no, Ron, I'm with you. I'll definitely scary in the third. Like I uh, tweeted out, I think I took my first breath in about 50 minutes uh, after that final horn finally sounded, and the Blackhawks came out on top of that one, four to three. Um, so you know, uh, exciting hockey game. Blackhawks look really good uh, in the first and second, and uh, the. Third period, obviously, Edmonton came back. Uh, they were charging, and we are here to break all of that down here, Ron. Uh, but, Justin, you're talking about how you're a little bit amazed um, at how this Blackhawks team has been playing as of late. Yeah, sure, in some of the efforts, you know, especially in the fashion that they've done them, uh, I'm in the same boat. But I can't say I'm totally shocked because if you go back to our trade deadline special, Tony Marchese and I had predicted that at some point they were going to go on a five-game win streak here. And what are we at now? Mm-hmm. Four? Four, I believe, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I can't say I'm totally shocked because we knew they had to give us at least one last ride on this roller coaster. Um, man, uh, first of all, you, you know, just breaking into this game a little bit, Ron, you got Edmonton coming in, Leon Dreisaitl, Connor McDavid, two elite scorers in this league. McDa- uh, excuse me, Dreisaitl, so used to saying McDavid on that front, but Dreisaitl leads all of the league in scoring this year. You know, McDavid had a little short absence there. I think it was like six, seven games, something like that. So um, he, he was a little bit down, but obviously uh, no slouch on his end. Um, Ron, I think uh, just if we're talking general themes here right away when I'm looking at the score sheet, we'll get into all these goals in a second here, but Connor McDavid, scoreless tonight. I know Dreisaitl got some of his uh, on the assist column, but uh, how big was shutting down McDavid tonight for the Hawks? I think it was huge. And, I mean, even though, you know, Leon Dreisaitl leads the league in points, and I'm not taking anything away from Dreisaitl because he's an absolute terror of a player. Uh, you know, but Connor McDavid's still number two in the league in points, as you mentioned, with missing games. And, you know, or at least number three. I mean, he's hovering up there right around second place, essentially, behind Dreisaitl. So, you know, it just goes to show how elite he is because he is still in second in the league. And like you mentioned, he has missed time. Um, that was huge though. I mean, anytime you can shut down an elite score on any team, I mean, I am sure teams, when they look at the Hawks, they think the exact same thing about Patrick Kane. How do we shut mm-hmm. down Patrick Kane? Um, you know, when you think about teams like the Washington Capitals, how do we shut down Alexander Ovechkin? How do we shut down Sidney Crosby? So, you know, it's, it's really is as, as cliche as it is. It's a key to a game. A lot of times is how do you Mm -hmm. shut down their best player? And like you said, even though Dreisaitl got his own on the assist, uh, on the Nugent Hopkins goal, who's also no slouch, um, you know, Connor McDavid not being on the board tonight is a, probably a very big reason. I'll honestly say it. That the Blackhawks yep. came out victorious in this one. Yeah, uh, I, that's exactly the kind of analysis I was looking for there, Ron. Um, like you said, sounds cliche, but man, uh, there's a reason that it is because it's very important, uh, especially when you're talking about the very elite of the league. Um, as you had mentioned, uh, another name that you had mentioned here, if we're going to get into this thing chron- chronologically, was Patrick Kane. Um, unfortunately for the Oilers, they were not able to shut him down completely tonight. Uh, Patrick Kane opens the scoring at the 1434 mark of the first period in this one, Ron. Talk about the patience on Patrick Kane's goal. That, that play was just unbelievable in general. Um, I, I would like to make note of Alex Nylander kind of finding a home uh, playing alongside Patrick Kane and Dylan Strom now has been very intriguing. 
um, just kind of watching from afar. But yeah, great pass by Dylan Strom from you know behind the behind the net, just off to the side of Mike Smith. There uh, misses a couple sticks, and like you said, I I, I liked what they said on the uh, the intermission show actually in the first period. You know, Jamal Mayers, I believe, said, you know, how do you not one time that puck just from yeah. instinct? Do you know what I mean? Um, but again, that's why Patrick Kane is Patrick Kane and he's in another echelon of, of talent in this, in this league. And like you said, you know, clearly he didn't like, you know, whatever it was that he saw, and uh, to not one time that puck off from Dylan Strome, but just waits out. Mike Smith kind of uses Alex Nylander as a little bit of a, a screen then as well, um, to keep the defenseman, you know, out of the zone, crack him. And, um, you know, it, yeah, that patience is unbelievable, and, and he's able to bury it top shelf, and Hawks get a one nothing lead uh, late in the first period. Yeah, uh, around a couple notes on my end from that play. Uh, Dylan Strome, talked about the pass, obviously a great feed. Uh, I love saucer passes, and that, you know, in such a tight area, it's hard to uh, actually make those. Um, Dylan Strome was able to do that. I think he missed two sticks, two Edmonton sticks mm-hmm. with that pass um, perfectly, you know, for – Kane, like you had said, uh, and Jammer said on the intermission show, how do you not one-time that puck? I think it was just kind of instinct uh, for all of us, but obviously Patrick Kane has an elite hockey mind, um, and he weighed that thing out, um, circled a little bit further out towards the lower half of the left circle, and um, another player that you had mentioned on that uh, was Alexander Nylander, kind of providing a little bit of a screen, and you know we'll give him crap uh, when it it's deserved, and he's gotten plenty of it from us and from, obviously, Pat Foley uh, on the broadcast yes. oh, oh, throughout the course of the season, uh, and it has been rightfully deserved at times, but we need to give him credit where it's due as well because a uh, big knock on his game was that he wasn't willing to go to those areas, uh, and mm-hmm. where is he on that Patrick King goal? Right in front of the net. Um, I'll give him credit there, and then obviously, you know, he's, he's got skilled hands. I was at the game on Tuesday night uh, against Anaheim where he scores that goal uh, and kind of waits out a goaltender himself um, and was able to roof one backhand uh, against the Anaheim Ducks uh, on Tuesday night. So like you'd said, uh, Alexander Nylander finding a little bit of a home on that second line uh, with the shuffling that they've done there. Um, and then that that sends, you know, Drake Azula down to that third line. And we'll get into that in a little bit because he was a key factor on a couple goals in the second period here. So uh, looking at that first period, um, you know, the we had talked about the Blackhawks having really solid first and second periods. Uh, n- no question about that. Uh, you know, they led in scoring chances in the first. Uh, high danger chances were even. But um, good good to see that uh, come out. You know, this thing can go south quickly if you let McDavid and Dreisaitl start controlling this game. So I thought that was huge from the first period. Um, you're talking about the Blackhawks out shooting them 11-8 uh, in that first frame. So I uh, like to see that. And their only penalty of the game was Ryan Carpenter holding holding penalty there. Uh, Edmonton has the number one power play in the league, Ron. So I think uh, keeping them at even strength for the most part here, that was huge as well. Um, so th- that w- that'll do it for the first period uh, mm-hmm. of this game. Moving on to the second, Jonathan Taves scores within the first minute. Ron, first minute goals are cool and tough. They sure are, especially when it's the captain. Potten home is 18th of the season. Uh, another crazy great pass from Adam Boakfist. Uh, may I add, it, it mm-hmm. ultimately kind of careems around a little bit, gets onto Johnny Taves' stick, and Taves takes it around for the wraparound goal. But, you know, Boakfist, uh, you know, I tweeted, and it got a lot of love, um, you know, early in the game. You know, ever since Eric Gustafson was traded, Adam Boakfist's passes especially, but just offensive game in general has been on another level. And I think a lot of that is, you know, him realizing he's the guy offensively now on this team. It's not a, 
is it me or Eric Gustafson as the number one defenseman for offense? He knows, hey, this is my team in terms of providing scoring from the back end, and I'm going to go ahead and take advantage of it. So, um, you know, his confidence level has been unreal. Uh, I know, you know, he broke up another feed later uh, in the game, I believe, between Neil and uh, McDavid, if I remember correctly. You know, he's just playing with so much more confidence and, and worth giving him a shout out in that goal because, you know, that pass really ignites that play. Uh, but good to see Johnny get 18. Um, he's never not scored 20 goals in his career in a season. So uh, I think he's going to get there. I think they have plenty of time for the captain to get two more goals this season to get to 20. Uh, also, do really quickly want to note, I know we're done with the first period, but Patrick Kane, first Blackhawk to 30 goals on the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good note there, Ron. Uh, just getting into that uh, Taves goal. Really quickly, um, one thing that I noticed, too, um, and maybe a little bit of a uh, not looking at the replays closely as I should have before I tweeted out from Four Feathers. I said, you know, it was Boquist to Taves to the wraparound because that's what it looked like. It kind of went straight through. But uh, props to Dominic Kubelik being right in front of the net, uh, taking a little bit of a beating from an Edmonton defenseman, but still getting a stick on it as obviously he was trying to redirect that puck into the net. But Mm -hmm. it ended up you know, tipping around to Taves, who's circling uh, at the perfect time, and Taves was able to come around for the wraparound uncontested. So um, props to Dominic Kubelik out there, too. Net front pressure was great tonight, Ron. Um, And and that leads us into a theme for our second goal here. Um, Alex Dabrinkit, he scores his first of the night on this one, and uh, it was another assist from Boquist here. So like you said, facilitating the offense from the back end. Uh, It's Adam Boquist's role, and he is filling in there very nicely. Um, But, you know, guy that did not get an assist on this play, but probably could have um, if we're talking about, you know, moral or uh, you know, visual ones here is Drake Kajula uh, parked right in front of the net. Obviously, defender kind of provides uh, helps make that screen a little wider than it is. Uh, but catch shot able to find the back of the net there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, you uh, Tony perfectly tweeted it um, throughout the night saying, you know, us talking about Kajula going to the front of the net seems to be quite a theme. And it really has been. It's something that we've talked about extensively between this season and even last season about just the type of player that Kajula is and how he thrives with skilled players. And I think this was another perfect example because, you know, that third line now, now that Strom and Nylander are playing with Kane, is a very skilled Alexander Dabrinkit, a very skilled Kirby Doc, and Drake Kajula out on the wing. He knows his role on that line. And he's going to go to the front of that and make plays. And he did that on quite a few occasions in this evening. And, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's half the battle, right? If you can't see what you're trying to stop, how are you going to stop it? Yeah, 100%. And especially with a guy like Debrinkit because of that that just that release. You know, he's got a good shot, but that release is elite, and that's why his shot is so good. You know, and, and you know, just separating the shot itself, it's, it's a good shot. But when you have an elite release – that good shot becomes a great shot, right? And so, mm-hmm. you know, you can't see a great shot coming in on the net like that, especially from as far out as it was where Debrinkit shot it. Man, that's tough on Smith and and, and good on Drake Ajula. Absolutely agree with you, you know. Um, kind of that morale point or, you know, good job. That good, kind of that attaboy point is what I'll call it. And, yeah, uh, that's a good one. That's a good phrase they, for uh, it. Yeah, and they, and they even mentioned it in the intermission. They said Drake Ajula... Uh, you know, they said, hey, we'd we'd give him a star because, you know, just that that presence that he had in front of the net in order to allow these guys to score. So excellent job by uh, the jewel, Jake Kajula there. But yeah. uh, a nice, a nice dirty rip from the little uh, the little winger, Mr. Alexander to 
Yeah, and just one comment that you had said about the release being so deadly. Uh, another guy, and not to take away anything from Debrinkit here, but if you're talking about someone who does it uh, the best in the league, it is Patrick Laine. Um, mm. When you're talking about someone that has that quick release, obviously his shot is a little bit harder just because his physical stature is massive. He's like, what, 6'3", something He's like that. Dude, but yeah. um, it's, you know, it, that also kind of puts into perspective when you look at Debrinkit um, being, you know, how tall he is. 5'7", on yeah. a good day. Yeah, five seven five eight. Um, the the fact that he's able to do that it just tells you how good his release is. But um, he, he wasn't done there. Uh, unfortunately, Edmonton struck in between these goals by Debrinket here. Uh, Nugent Hopkins gets on the board. I think people forget that he wasn't he a former first overall pick. Ron? Number one overall uh, pick. I yeah. want to say out of Red Deer, uh, he was yeah. a number one overall pick. Yeah, I mean these. But again, it, just because of how many one number one overall picks have gone to Edmonton and gone there to they die even one away in taylor hall right yeah they traded trader uh you figure this team if they had never traded away taylor hall could have had taylor hall right nugent hopkins leon dreisaitl and Connor mcdavid all of them taken in the top three in the draft and that doesn't even include guys like sam gagne andrew cogliano when you're really going back so um yeah they nuge is a talented player that was his 21st goal of the season so he's certainly no slouch yeah, and like I'd mentioned, uh, Leon Dreisaitl, NHL points leader, uh, he got an assist on that goal. Uh, we figured it was going to come uh, at some point. Uh, Nurse had the other assist on that one. That was at the 559 marker when Edmonton made that 3-1, to one, uh, their first goal of the game. But the Blackhawks dominated the second period, Ron. Uh, there is no question about it. You know, there's a stretch, I, I believe, that uh, Scott Powers tweeted out that the Oilers went almost seven minutes without a shot, and it obviously shows in the totals. Blackhawks outshot the Oilers 14-4 to in that middle frame. Uh, you look at all of the nice, fancy stats over on naturalstatric.com, uh, all heavily in favor of the Blackhawks. Uh, we see the game flow going straight up, uh, the Blackhawks being the home team on top uh, of this visual chart that I'm looking at here. 70, uh, 76.67% Corsi 4 to 23.33%. Uh, of course, he four for the Oilers. That's excellent. Uh, scoring chances, 12 to four. High danger chances, six to three uh, in that second period. Um, like I said, scoring wasn't done. Alex Dabrinkit wasn't done. Uh, he ended his 18th of the season at the 13.02 mark. Once again, Drake Azula out front. Talk about the second one, Ron. Yeah, another crazy just kind of rip from from far out by Dabrinkit. More net front presence uh, always needed there. Also like noting, too, uh, you know, even though a lot of that play was made by Debrinket, kind of walking to the middle slot there mm-hmm. and then ripping that shot. Uh, nice to see, you know, Ole Mata get his 13th assist of the season as the primary. And Kirby Doc racking up another point tonight with his 14th assist of the season. This kid just, you know, even though the big offensive numbers haven't been there, just continues to impress. I know, you know, you guys talked about it with the Ducks game. You know, he sets up that first goal, gets into the zone to set up that beautiful Adam Boakfast pass. And then obviously had that absolutely ridiculous, you know, spinorama move getting into the zone, um, ultimately to have the shot deflected, but was an excellent display. So just a nice all around play. You know, the the cat, again, something that's been a theme, I feel like, on, on Blackhawks on tap and on four feathers throughout the year is, you know, the cat needs to get going. The cat needs to start scoring. And and he's been better of late. And, and two goals tonight certainly helps. He's at 18 as well. So him and Johnny Taves very realistically should get to 20. Uh, this team should have about five or six 20 goal scorers um, between Brandon Saad, Alex Debrinkit, Kubalik, Kane, and Taves. So, um, mm-hmm. 
you know, he'll he'll get there, and it's nice to see him coming back around. But also, it's nice to see the the other two guys rack up points in this scenario as well. And then, as we mentioned, a nice another attaboy point for number ninety one. Yeah, absolutely, Ron. Uh, I like that Doc got, you know, like you had mentioned, Mata, two getting a primary assist on that one, even though Dabrinkit did some walking from the wall to the top of that circle there uh, to set up his own goal there. Um, but those guys getting assists, I think it's, you know, uh, it helps because at the end of the day, you know, we're breaking it down right here and we remember it vividly. When we look back on the season, we're not going to ask how, we're going to ask how many. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's the way it goes. Um, you know, uh, we had talked about the first two being really solid for the Blackhawks. You knew a push was coming. The Edmonton Oilers team, uh, you got a guy like Dave Tippett behind the bench. Uh, you knew he was going to light a fire under these guys' ass going into the third period, and they did just that. Uh, it took a little bit for them to finally break through, but, you know, they, they were obviously the more dominant team from a possession standpoint in the third period it showed and uh they got rewarded for it at the 803 mark when archibald was able to have a nice little tip in uh kind of a little bit of a scramble play at the bench by the blackhawks unsure of who should have been on who should have been off um but yeah uh you know like i said uh, archibald from cassian on that one uh crow didn't really have a chance uh, with the defense kind of in flux going in on that one and then the other one came you know what was it at the 852 the other the first one was at 803 uh second one from yamamoto it seems like he scores every single time he plays felt like i tweeted out from four feathers seems like he had 17 points against the hawks in that first matchup uh back when we were on that horrendous canadian road trip um but yamamoto gets a second one that was a little bit of a delay ron um everyone was a little confused and this is a weird point in the game because they had to go back and stop it watch the replay you know the horn sounds i said okay yeah it is a goal so it's retroactive but for a play that probably shouldn't have existed in my opinion the oilers the only reason that was blown dead because the oilers got too many men uh penalty Mm -hmm. and in my mind i mean i'm not an expert on the rules here i haven't read all of it and the nitty-gritty of it but that probably shouldn't have counted the Oilers penalty that stopped it. Your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. Uh, you would, you would think that's the case, but uh, based on, you know, what happened and just how it all played out, um, you know, they, they let it be and, you know, they, they said, Hey, we were wrong. This was, you know, too many men, um, but we'll let the goal stand. I agree. I don't know the nitty gritty. I'm not going to try and speculate all that much, but based on general understanding of the rules, I agree. I, you would think that wouldn't have counted, but, um, yeah, just, I mean, two, two guys, I think on that Edmonton team that also go really underappreciated truthfully, uh, Josh Archibald, a guy that originally cracked through with Pittsburgh, um, you know, was kind of a fourth liner. Couldn't really find his way there. You know, kind of became a journeyman, and he's found a nice home in Edmonton. 12 goals for him on the season, a nice depth scoring piece for them. Um, I have a theory on why Kaylor Yamamoto loves to score against the Blackhawks. What's that? Kaylor Yamamoto was drafted in the first round, 22nd pick overall, in the year 2017 when the NHL draft was in Chicago, Illinois. Mm. Um, So with that being said, I think Kyler feels at home when he plays the Hawks because that's the team that hosted the draft the year he was drafted, and that's probably why he dominates against the Hawks. But really good player. He's on my fantasy team, admittedly. So, um, you know, he's been great ever since they called him back up. He's been playing on that line with with Dreisaitl a lot this year. So uh, a kind of a – uh, I would almost call him a more skilled Drake Kajula in the sense that he just mm-hmm. figures out a way to play really well with skilled players and he knows what he needs to do to be successful with those guys. So, um, you know, not as maybe gritty 
Uh, he's a little smaller, but he's certainly a scorer. He was a first-round pick. Uh, not a top top five first-round pick for once out of Edmonton. Um, yeah. But a nice player nonetheless. So, yeah, he gets his 11th. Probably shouldn't have been his 11th, but like you said, it, it just kind of is what it is. And that was a real gut-check moment for this team in that third period, right? 8.03 mm-hmm. for the first goal, 8.52 for the second goal. Um, and they mentioned it uh, briefly at the end of the the game before we jumped on here. Um you know, Corey Crawford was a big reason why Edmonton was kept off the board then for the rest of that third period. Yeah, absolutely. Crow with a couple big saves down the stretch there, especially one on Leon Dreisaitl. I can remember where it filtered out to him to the lower right circle. Uh, Crow able to slide over and wall that thing off. Um, that was excellent. Uh, great to see that from Crow. And, you know, um, the Oilers just going over third period, uh, you know, kind of stats here. 12-6, they doubled up the Blackhawks in shots in that one, and obviously the possession uh, totally in their favor, 65.38% on the even strength, Corsi 4, um, and 9-4 to four in the scoring chances, 5-2 to two in the high danger chances. So uh, Blackhawks had to weather the storm. That's something that Tony Marchese, uh, our fellow panelist who's not on tonight, loves to say. Uh, they absolutely had to because, you know, that's just the way it goes. The NHL, uh, those teams are going to push. The D are going to start taking chances. Um, the forwards are going to be a little bit more prone to cherry picking. Um, and honestly, they didn't even need to do that that much because they were just controlling it straight out. Uh, when the Blackhawks got out of the zone, it was more of a dump just to uh, change up bodies. Um, you know, uh, down the stretch there, though, you talked about Crow, obviously big. Uh, it was huge. And obviously, second period uh, limiting the Oilers to just four shots, and that one helps in this category. But uh, only giving up 24 shots to such a high octane team. Uh, that is big. I, I feel like, Ron, it, it's an anomaly when the shots are under 30 against us. Uh, <laughs> so um, that, that yeah. was big. And then du- Duncan Keith, uh, my other guy down the stretch there, a couple of big clears. Uh, you could tell um, he just has the awareness. Someone, you know, I saw a tweet out there that, oh, this team lacks veteran leadership. Well, uh, no, they don't. <laughs> You'd see Duncan Keith quite the uh, opposite out, out there uh, doing that. So um, th- that was it. Uh, Horn ended up sounding, uh, you know, Blackhawks able to weather the empty net chances and Connor Murphy too down the stretch there, uh, alleviating some pressure uh, when the Oilers were attacking with the extra man um, four game win streak, Ron, uh, how you feeling about it? Confused. <laughs> yep. And I'm probably going to catch some slack for that from some of our listeners, but here's why I'm confused just because, you know, this team at one point this season was a fringe playoff team, and all we we're all, we we're all kind of sitting here and going, okay, you know, they'll probably stand pat at the deadline, and you know, we'll see how things go, and they'll ride this and see where they get to, and you know, and then the that trip in Canada comes, that five game trip, it began in Winnipeg, ended in Winnipeg, go one and four, really drop in the standings, especially because they were losing the teams that they needed to jump in the standings. Yep. You know, then they kind of became that that narrative. You know, that narrative. Okay, they're gonna sell at the deadline, and they did. And you know, Robin Lehner is now in Vegas, playing out of his freaking mind because he's got a good team in front of him, and um, you know, he's playing out of his mind when he didn't have necessarily the greatest team in front of him at points this year. But you know, and the, and then Eric Gustafson, obviously now up in Calgary. You know, all of a sudden, this team just. That first game after the deadline, they came out against uh, who was it against Tampa, and just went. They were well, playing ball, right? The, the first one was against St. Louis, so right. Sorry, okay, but even that game, they came out, scored yeah. five goals. I mean, St. Louis ultimately just beat them, uh, plain and simple. There, six five. But 
each game since the trade deadline, they've come out with that sense of purpose. They've really come out flying and, and kind of buzzing around. And, you know, so they, they've won, you, as you you know said, the four straight. Now, could really be five straight. Uh, they probably could have taken that St. Louis game. And, you know, it's just like, it's it's almost frustrating at this point in the season as a Blackhawks fan because I'm like, where was this, you know, in January or even December when, okay, you are maybe in a playoff spot. You're not selling off your potential goaltender of the future. And maybe they still sell off Gustafson, which I'm okay with because everybody loves to know I am not the biggest Gustafson fan. It's nothing against him. I'm sure he's a nice guy. I just... Don't love his style of play. And we already have that in Adam Boquist. And I think Boquist is better defensively. So, you know, and you're seeing it now, right? So it's just, it's just frustrating. Yeah. You know, it's no, like, I, where, where was this when you had a chance to make it meaningful? At this point in the season now, it almost just feels like you're just pissing away the chance at a decent draft pick. Yeah, it, it, I, I agree with you uh, on that one. It's definitely frustrating in that aspect of it. Um, when you're looking at this thing, though, it's like after tonight uh, up to 70 points and sure, they're still uh, below all the central division teams. So when you look at those central division standings, like, oh, they're still in last place. Um, but four points technically out. I know they have some teams to jump uh, and some work to do. They need some help, obviously, if they were going to do it, but uh, it's just ridiculous. And I think it just goes back and speaks to that roller last roller coaster ride. Uh, mm-hmm. That's what we're on right here, right now. Uh, what Tony Marchese and I discussed right after the trade deadline, um, because, you know, we say it over on the White Sox side, that's a White Sox. Well, that's a Blackhawks as of the last few seasons here. So um, sure I- interesting situation that they're in right now. Um, obviously, we want to see winning hockey but at the same time, how realistic is it that this thing is actually going to result uh, in a playoff berth? Uh, and if it were to, they would probably get, you know, beat pretty handily in the first round. So um, hate, hate to after, especially after a win, uh, kind of be the Debbie Downers here. But we also like take a step back and look at this thing realistically. Um, so, yeah. uh, like, like I said, um, uh, that, that does it for uh, tonight's game. Uh, against the Edmonton Oilers, Ron. Uh, if you have any final thoughts, uh, air them out now because then we yep. have to move to a Detroit recap. Just one quick final Detroit. thought, and that is every great roller coaster needs that one last loop to loop toward the end to make it interesting. Um, and it kind of feels like we're going through that loop to loop right now with this Hawks team. Not saying that they're going to totally fall off in March. I don't think they're just going to totally suck for the rest of the month and lose hypothetically nine out of 10. Um, but this, this kind of last glimmer of hope is that last big loop. <sighs> yeah. Last loop run. Um, I, I'm with you on that. So uh, with that being said though, it's time to get into the Detroit preview because uh, Blackhawks are right back at it tomorrow night, um, Friday night in Detroit uh, against the worst team in the league by far uh, by mm-hmm. over 20 points. Uh, the Detroit Red Wings are the definition of, you know, tank, uh, middle of the rebuild, all of that garbage uh, fire, garbage fire. Yep. You know, they have lost six in a row now uh, leading up to this. The last time that they played was Monday night against the Avalanche. Um, surprising that that was even two to one uh, with all the firepower that the Colorado Avalanche have. But mm-hmm. um that, that is the recent trends for the Detroit Red Wings here. Obviously, Blackhawks have won two games in that time since Detroit has been off. Um, you know, Friday night matchup, 6.30 p.m. Central time here uh, in Chicago. And, um, Ron, I'm interested to see who the goalie is going to be for the Blackhawks because this looks like it should be the ideal time to get Malcolm Subban his first start. 
You would think, and I, I mean, on the season, his his stats aren't exactly gorgeous, but he also didn't play a ton in Vegas just because of how good Mark Andre Fleury is. Uh, Twenty one games on the season, nine and seven is his record. He has an eight ninety save percentage and a three seventeen goals against average. Which uh, the last two numbers are not so pretty. Obviously, the nine wins help when you have a, a pretty good team in front of you, like he had in Vegas. I agree. I think it's the logical time to to give him a shot. But uh, you know, it was quoted today by Jeremy Carlton that he would consider playing Crawford in the back to back. I think that's just kind of stupid from a rest perspective, um, especially against Detroit. Like, they are so bad, this is the time to give Malcolm Subban a chance. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. Um, I, like you said, from the rest perspective, from just the quality of opponent standpoint, uh, it'd be a good way to ease Malcolm Subban into this. But um, I think Jeremy Colleton could also just be yanking a few chains there. Um, you know, not being non-committal, uh, especially, you know, that's how hockey is. Uh, everything's kind of under the table until it's actually time to, put out an official decision so um yeah. i think there's still a chance that we could see malcolm suban in that i mean it would make sense with being back uh yeah that sure they got a day off it right after that but st louis is coming in town on sunday night so um that i if i'm giving a realistic prediction i do think we will end up seeing him in that uh just interesting though those comments that you bring up here um there's not much to talk about usually I, this is the point where i pull up the stats uh of the opponents and there's not much to talk about outside of dylan larkin and tyler bertuzzi um larkin 18 goals 31 point or excuse me 31 assists good for 49 points on the season their leading score tyler bertuzzi their all-star representative 18 goals as well 24 assists 42 points uh below that you know they They've traded off, uh, traded off um, Andreas Athanasiu to who we saw tonight with the Edmonton Oilers. And uh, Anthony Mantha is right behind him. He's got 33 points. But, man, um, just a sad state of hockey uh, up there in Detroit right now. Um, really no threats, but I guess the biggest thing here is don't play down. Uh, don't just take the day off. Yep, agreed. And and I got a little bit of a story, if you don't mind, and it's a good one at that. So Yeah, you were um, just up there, weren't you? I sure was. That's exactly where I was going with it. So uh, over the past weekend, long story short, my older brother's in the Army, and he was on a, a special assignment for a month up in Warren, Michigan, which is right outside of Detroit. So I went up and visited him this past weekend um, as I had a couple of days off for work. So um, and that Thursday night that I got up there, they were playing the Minnesota Wild, and we got tickets. And uh, let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, the state of hockey right now in Detroit is I, you can get tickets 12 rows off the glass for $35 a piece. <laughs> exactly what my brother and I and his boss paid to go to the game. It was a great time. Um, but I'll tell you what, beautiful stadium. Little Caesars Arena, they did a great job. Uh, it's kind of cool in their introductory videos. The uh, as they go to the legends, kind of how the Hawks do in their videos, the banners of the retired numbers drop from the ceiling. It's actually quite cool. I'll give them credit there where credit is due because there's not much else with the team we can give credit to. Uh, Because then we watch them go out and just get walloped by the wild by a score of seven to one. It was like uh, two nothing on like the first four shots of the game. And uh, Jimmy Howard was in net for that game. <laughs> and if that's the case for this one, I'm expecting the Hawks to score a lot of goals. Uh, they didn't pull him until I think he allowed the fifth goal finally. And they were just like, all right, uncle. He actually got uh, a round of applause when he was leaving the ice because they were so happy to see him leave. So it's just a little <laughs> snapshot of the state of hockey. Great, beautiful stadium. The product on the ice is garbage. Uh, Little Caesars pizza everywhere. So, I mean, you can't get too upset about that. You know, just crack them stations everywhere, which was absolutely a favorite of mine and my brother's. And, um, yeah, so, you know, 
great weekend on that front, but uh, we got taken some Detroit Red Wings hockey. So I understand very well where the state of the franchise is, and it's, it's uh, not very good. But I will say Anthony Mantha did score the lone goal of that game. It was a breakaway. Uh, he's kind of the lone bright spot of this team. He was really good out the gate early. Um, despite the 33 points, it is worth noting he's done that in only 40 games. So yeah. had he been fully healthy for the 68 or so games like Bertuzzi and Larkin have played, uh, he'd probably be the leading scorer on this team. I think he's probably the best player all around besides maybe Larkin on this team. So um, they still have some talent, but I, I agree. I just even on paper, the Hawks are a much better team. They should win this game unless they play down, as you mentioned before. Yeah. And you know, Ron, one thing that I will be uh, looking and listening for is obviously there's going to be a ton of Hawks fans. Hawks fans travel everywhere. It doesn't matter where they are. You're going to always going to see some red in the stands. Um, but for this one, especially being so close, a drivable game uh, on a weekend night, um, mm. this thing is going to be almost like a home game again. You know, we talked about them playing so many, you know, very few home games, only three in February. Now, pretty much every home, you know, every game in March is a home game outside of a few outliers. Like they only have four road games. Uh, well, this is one of the four, and I think it could almost be considered a home game. Yeah, it's probably going to be half Hawks fans. I mean, we went and it was a Thursday night and it was it was fairly well packed, admittedly, for for how bad they are. Um, but if I had to guess, I think Red Wings fans even probably had the knowledge to, ah, oh, we could probably sell our tickets for a little more than face value and the Hawks fans will still buy them. So I would expect a lot of a lot of Chicago presence in Detroit tomorrow night. Yeah, uh, absolutely, Ron. So um, like you said, uh, not a whole lot to preview because uh, we gave the few three guys that may actually be a threat. Um, that's about it really to look out for there. Um, what, one update that uh, I, I forgot to mention at the end of this game, uh, the Edmonton game tonight was Lucas Carlson exited early. Um, he, he left in the middle of the second period after taking a shot up high, kind of got him looked like it went around the ear area, uh, deflected off of a, I believe it was Connor Murphy out in front of him, um, you know, off a stick, then off of Murphy's kind of shoulder and then came up to Carlson's ear, um, that area. So he did not return uh, for the third period tonight. So hopefully everything's uh, okay with him because he was playing well up in until then there. So I just wanted to get that update out before we go into, because that'll affect, you know, um, who's actually in the lineup. Who's not for tomorrow night. Uh, who's your sure. stick to click uh, for Friday night at Detroit. I'm going to keep riding the hot hand and the hometown kid. And I'm going to go ahead and say, Alex, the has a good night tomorrow. His family and friends are going to be there. You heard Gizmo. If you watched the uh, first star interview at the end of the game, Gizmo mentioned to him, you know, uh, you know, give them a good game for your, your family and friends and tell them we said hello uh, as he plays, you know, very close to home in Detroit. So I'm going to say Debrinkit rides the hot end. Maybe it doesn't necessarily come via the goal column, but I wouldn't be shocked if he's got a point or two um, tomorrow night in what is essentially his hometown. So as much as I'd love to go with my guaranteed go to more often than not in Brandon Sod, I'm going to have to go Alex Debrinkit on this one. Yeah, I think, you know, that obviously uh, the hometown one, I think it was appropriate that at least one of us uh, picked it in this one. But I'm going to go with a guy who um, is also playing for something beyond, you know, just the team game. And that's uh, Dominic Kubelik. Uh, mm. I think he adds another notch in his uh, uh, Calder trophy race resume uh, tomorrow night. And I think he'll have 
plenty of ability to do that. I uh, should be able to manhandle some Red Wings defensemen out in front of the net and get a nice greasy tip in goal or just a rebound uh, that he's able to slam home. So I'm going to go with Dominic Kubelik, uh, get back on that, you know, called their watch. Obviously, he's on it uh, with the amount of goals that he's put up this year, uh, but it's been a couple of games for him. Um, I know he had an assist tonight, but uh, it's been a couple of games for him since actually lighting the lamp. I think he does that tomorrow night in Detroit. So, um, Ron, final thoughts before we sign off here. I uh, just I'd say enjoy tomorrow night's game. I mean, this is a game again where this is you know, a team the Hawks should absolutely 100% beat. Um, obviously, you know, St. Louis on Sunday. Uh, next week they play Ottawa again too. There's some very winnable games in March. So even though, as we mentioned earlier, the playoffs maybe aren't exactly likely at this point, just from the the ups and downs, this roller coaster ride that this team has been on all season. I just enjoy, just enjoy watching these guys play. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's it's going to be tough to kind of figure out who is and who isn't back next year. Uh, there's a ton of moves to be made. You know, uh, the likes of Andrew Shaw's contract and Smith's contracts, which are both north of $3 million, and they haven't played much lately. Uh, obviously, Kubelik's in need of a new contract. Uh, Dylan Strom's in need of a new contract. Um, you know, Corey Crawford, the goalie situation's a question mark. So, you know, just kind of enjoy this team as it is right now and and enjoy, you know, looks at the future with guys like, uh, you know, guys like Debrinkit and, and still with Taves and Kane and, and Doc and Boakfist. So, I'd say just enjoy it, take it in, and, you know, if you can get out to the UC in the month of March, I know we're probably going to be at at least a few games in the month of March as a as a Four Feathers clan, not necessarily together, but, um, you know, pairings of us will be out there at different points. We're all going to try and get together for at least one um, in this month, and, yeah, just enjoy it, man. March hockey, you know, when you got a playoff-bound team is a lot of fun, and when you don't, just take it for what it is, enjoy it, and uh, and then have that hope for, for next season assuming things go well uh, over the summer. So I know I'll be watching and just enjoying the hell out of it. So I hope hope all the other listeners and fans out there are doing the exact same. Yep. Uh, well said, Ron. Uh, my last point here is since we have a Detroit game, uh, you know, there's only two a year. Uh, I know it's not a rivalry anymore. I know Detroit um, is obviously really bad, worst team in hockey, um, but I still love saying it. Uh, I'm still one of those guys. I know some people still get like upset with it since they're not even in the same conference anymore. But, Ron, Detroit sucks. They literally do in the standings uh, just in general as a city, as Chicagoans. We have to say it. Detroit sucks. I always manage to slip one of those in when I'm at the Hawks game in between my Let's Go Hawks chants. So um, I'll say it one last time. Detroit sucks, and let's go Hawks.